1: Do. your presence is an open door we want you lord come on like never before your presence is an open door so come now lord With us, here we go. In every season, the grace has been enough, and we're believing the best is the end. Let's make some noise in our neighborhoods want our neighbors to hear us worshiping god that we're relentless nothing's gonna stop us because you are with us god come on see it out here we go hey! i know breakthrough is coming by faith i see a miracle We want you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like never before. Come now, Lord. You sit on the throne, God. You take control, Father. Come on. He's going to see us through and through. Yeah. Woo, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, can you feel it? God, you never failed us. Woo! Here we go. Come on, sing with me. I know breakthrough is coming. I think I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't
2: I never won want- Holy moment I never want DING Nothing else will do
1: right there in this moment. Father, we come before you right now. Together. I'm looking at you, whoever's watching this. I'm going to invite you to to raise your hands if you want to. Just kind of turn them this way. This is a posture of receiving. I believe that God is wanting us to stay and be on hold and, and wait for His peace and receive that peace that passes all understanding that peace that goes beyond our control beyond our trying to fix everything and pay everything and making sure that we got it all together God is telling us stand still father we come before you God we want you to pour a plethora of peace all over this nation and this world God we want you to just Come into our hearts and let us go past our understanding like the Bible says. Father, take over our minds. I rebuke you anxiety, depression, any tension that's coming into our families. Father, we pray for this country, God. We pray for our leader, God. We pray for all the pastors that are leading this transition, Father. We come collectively, God, for for peace and understanding, God. That only comes from you. And as we come together, God, singing this collectively, we want you to do something in our hearts, God. We want to be the light in the middle of the darkness. We want to be the light in the middle of this confusion. God, so we stand together and we're going to sing this and we're going to sing it with all of our hearts one more time. So if y'all can maybe get out of your couches and stand up with us. For this time of worship, I just want you. Nothing else. Can you sing with us? Nothing else. Nothing else will do.
2: I just.
1: I hope it speaks to your heart. It's powerful, let me tell you. I searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures of faith Are never enough Then you came along
0: Come on. Come on. Let's give God some praise. Come on. Here in the studio, give God some praise. You who are watching online, can you give God some praise? Yeah. You know, I want to lead us in a prayer before we go any further. And I just believe that uh through this crisis that we're walking through, we're all journeying through it together. I really believe that God is going to bring a garden out of this grave. I just feel that in my spirit. I feel like the greatest revival to hit our world is coming. I believe that when all of this blows over that first Sunday back, that first Sunday that church is I'm telling you, I believe it is going to be the greatest hour that this church has ever seen. We just believe that So what I want to do before we go any further is just pray you there that are watching on. Let's just pray and let's lean in and let's just pray a a prayer of healing over our land. Father in the name of Jesus we thank you Lord God for this opportunity that we have to one more time lean into your presence God. It looks different than we've leaned in recently. We're so used to gathering in buildings and we're so used to pews and chairs but God right now our living rooms have become pews. Coffee shops have become chairs. We are gathering anywhere that we can to tune into your word. But right now, Father, before we go any further, we pray that you would heal our land. According to your word, when you said, if my people who are called by my name would turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves and pray, then I would hear from heaven and I would heal their land. God, we need you to heal our land. And right now, Father, I just pray that you touch the People that are watching online if there is someone that is battling anxiety we just speak peace over their life right now if there's someone who is living in fear we just pray a calm over them right now we believe lord god that you are going to reach people who are watching wherever they are watching from and your presence is going to meet them in jesus name we pray amen amen and amen come on clap your hands and if you're watching online at home, you can clap your hands too as well. Hey, listen, my name is Josh and alongside my wife Joanna, we have the tremendous privilege of pastoring this church, Lighthouse Church, the North County campus, and today I'd like to continue on with a series that we have been in together with our church. We are doing a series called Hot Mess. What's our series called? hot mess. And it is an expository sermon through the book of Corinthians. And um, for those of you that are just catching on, I invite you to listen back to some of our messages on YouTube or on our podcast to get caught up. This is week three of our series, Hot Mess. And I'm going to take you to First Corinthians chapter three. We're going to read the first three verses. I'm going to preach for a little while and then we're going to get up and we're going to worship one last time. And I'm so excited that you've tuned in now for the third installment of Hot Mess. Are you ready to go? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I could a mature Christian. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world and as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not solid food Because you couldn't handle anything stronger and you still aren't ready for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your own desires? You are acting like people who do not belong to the Lord. For the next few moments, I'm going to preach to you on this thought. Would you grow up? Would you grow up? All right, y'all ready to go? Come on, let's go. Listen, have you ever been in an experience or been placed in an arena where you really quite, you really weren't quite ready for that moment? I can think back to my career and I can remember that I began my career in supply chain as a buyer and I was buying really a, a low dollar commodity. It was just an entry level position in purchasing. And a few weeks later, a few months into the job, my, my partner called me in and she said, Josh, I've got some great news for you. You've been doing such a good job with that commodity that I'm going to move you over to this commodity. And it was a much more complex commodity. I went from buying a low dollar commodity to now now a commodity that had a lot of eyes on it from the company and the leadership. And so she says, I want you to get ready because this afternoon I need you to get into a meeting. And so I want you to be ready for that meeting. And I thought, you know, I'm a communicator and I can get up in front of a room full of people and I could talk and I could do a song and a dance and I can get my way through any meeting if I wanted to. And so I walked into that meeting, just so excited that I had just been promoted and I was taking on, you know, more, um, more responsibility for the company and it was it was pretty darn obvious that I was not ready for that meeting. I remember walking into that room sitting down and thinking I am so not ready for this. I mean they were talking faster. They were moving faster and I thought to myself I hope they don't call on me because I am so not ready to talk and sure enough they called on me and I felt so underprepared. Y'all remember those Southwest Airlines commercials want to get away? Yeah, that was me. I wanted to get away. And I remember going to my boss shortly after that meeting and I said, I am so sorry. I was totally unprepared for that meeting. And she said, you know, I just put that on you, but you got to get into this thing really quick. I'm talking about being underprepared. Have you ever been there before? And I believe that as Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he's 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 now having to address all of the issues that the church in Corinth was having. I think he had this moment where he realized, you know, they're still not ready yet. They're still not ready yet. And, and that's where we pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In this third chapter, Paul begins to express how frustrated he was with the church. You see, when he first started the church there at Corinth, he fed them babies drinking out of a bottle. He said, I brought you milk of the word because that's all that you could handle. And I think in the passing of time, he thought they're going to get smarter, they're going to get more mature, they're going to grow up a little bit. But here he is reading about the hot mess in Corinth and he's thinking to himself, they still aren't ready yet. He says this, he says, you are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your own desires? You see, there was evidence that they had not yet grown up. There there was options to substantiate that they had not yet grown up. And so, so, so here's the first thing that I want you to write down for those of you that are taking notes. And for those that are, those of you that are following with us online, your actions trump your beliefs, your actions trump your beliefs. And and this was the big concern that Paul addressed with the church. He was concerned that the faith that they had been handed and the faith that they claimed to have, they weren't commensurate with one another. How could you say you have this faith and yet believe and still and still act this way? You say you believe one thing, but your behavior is showing me another thing. Sadly, this church had become a church of posers. How many 80s babies do we have in the room and how many 80s babies do we have watching online? Do you remember that word poser? said that a lot in the late 80s, early 90s. Now you know my age. And they would say, they're such a poser. It was it was someone who was pretending to be something that they weren't. And that was like the ultimate insult, right? You're such a poser. Someone tried to act like they are uh, like they were a skater. They, they'd wear the Vans and they'd, they'd wear the right pants and they'd wear the shirt. You give them a skateboard, they couldn't do nothing, right? You were just a poser. You were just a poser. And and, and this is what it was like um, with the church in Corinth because they, 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 they claimed to be this mature, group of Jesus followers and and Paul stops and says but you're fighting you're quarreling and your actions show me that you've not yet grown up and and you know the true measure to really judge someone's faith is through their fruit the true measure to judge someone's faith really is to check their fruit it's okay to be a fruit inspector I said it's okay to be a fruit inspector People say one thing, but they do another. It's like that person. Have you ever met people that say, you know, I'm just that type of person that likes to, that, that, that. You ever met those people? And you're like, no, you're not. I know you, 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 you don't, you, you say that, but you don't do that. And, and, and Paul saw the fruit and he knew this church is not growing. And as a matter of fact, the only fruit that they demonstrated was the fruit of immaturity. It was the fruit of immaturity. And all Paul had to do was look at this quarreling and he knew, I know where your heart is. All Paul had to do was check their works and knew that things were a mess. He checked their works. Somebody say works. Now, I know some of you are thinking, but pastor, are not we living under a time of grace? Absolutely. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But let me tell you what some of the scriptures say about works. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. James says some of the following. Faith without works is no faith at all. Can I get a good amen on that? Faith without works is really dead. How could you say you have faith and yet there's no works to substantiate it? How could you say you're an apple tree when I look and there's no fruit on the tree that looks like an apple? How could you say you are one thing and yet the fruit says another thing? James goes on to say, I can't see your faith if I can't see your good works. Just because we are living under a time of grace does not mean there is no works to substantiate our faith. And James addressed this head on. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, your lives are a letter written in our hearts and every one could read it. Think about that for a second. Paul said, your lives are a letter and everyone's reading it. Now, now, I, I, I want you to think about that and you don't have to amen this. Some of you are going to, you know, kind of slouch in your seat when I say this right now. But, but what would happen if everything you did was a letter? I'm talking about everything you did, not just the good things, not just the things you do on Sunday, not just the things you do in youth group and not just the things that you do when you're around your church, folks. I'm talking about everything. It's kind of a sobering reality, isn't it, to think that everything we do. And and this was the point of Paul's writing to get people to realize, look, people are watching you. People are reading you. People can see you. And the message that Paul is telling the church here early in this chapter is that your life, church in Corinth, it does not mirror the faith that you have. It doesn't doesn't align with your faith that you claim to have. So, Pastor Josh, what's the solution here? This is the second thing that I want you to write down. Do your work. Do your work. Work and this is what Paul does. What Paul does in 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 chapter three is he goes on to start talking about what he did. You see, he made this transition from I can't feed you meat of the word because you're still stuck on the milk of the word, and then he transitions into what he does and what Apollos did. Notice that transition. This is a seamless letter. There's punctuation marks, but make no mistake. There's a singular thought that is happening here in the text, and Paul begins to tell them that he had a job to do, and Apollos had his. His job to do. Paul said that his job was to lay the foundation of the church of Corinth, and Apollos was supposed to build on that work. I'm going to quote what Paul said here. I love the way Paul writes, and I love how how Paul doesn't lack any self-confidence. He said this, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder, <laughs> That's the way Paul talked about himself. He said, I did it like an expert. I love Paul, the way he talks and the way he writes. He was not lacking in self-confidence. But what Paul was trying to say was, look, church, here's the deal. I've got an apostolic mandate on my life. I go and I start churches. That's what Paul did. He would go, he would start up a church, he would entrust the church into some elders and he'd go off to another another land, to another country, another city, start another church and then he'd go off to another land and he would start another church and what he was saying is, look, you want to see how I can show you my faith? Look what I'm doing with my life. Look at the work that I am doing. So in order to to paint this picture of what faith should look like, he stops by saying, here's what I do. He's he's trying to model to them. This is this is good leadership, right? This is real good leadership. It's not just telling people what to do, but it's showing people what to do. And so what Paul does is he's coming back and he says, look at what you see me doing. I'm traveling from land to land. And this is what I do. I build churches. I'm an expert builder. And then Paul, and then Paul says, and then it's Apollos that comes and he builds on this work. But the reason he said that is because he was trying to tell the church in Corinth, it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. I, I gave you this faith. I, I, I've put good teaching on the inside of you. And instead of working, you're fighting. Instead of actually building the kingdom, you are fighting. Let me, let, me get you, let me point your attention to something. Have you ever noticed that when you are focused on doing the thing that God has called you to do, you have no time to waste focusing on what other people are doing? oh, come on now. Can I get a good amen on that? When you are focused on doing the thing that God has called you to do, you don't have time to compare what you are doing with what other people are doing because you are too busy running your own race. You are busy doing the thing that God has called you to do. If you've got time to be critical about another church or if you've got time to be critical about another Christian, that must mean you don't have enough work to do. You better roll. Pull up your sleeves. You better put your boots on and get to work. You see, some of us are too busy looking over our shoulders. What's this church doing? And what's this church doing? And what's this person doing? And what is Sister So-and-so doing? And, and we're scrolling on the gram, right? Scrolling on the gram. What, what are they doing? And, and oh my God. And, and it's easy to do this, right? Let me talk to some of the moms right now because some of your moms are going crazy having to watch your kids at home right now. Oh my God, look at her. She's got a schedule. And oh my God, she cuts her apple slices perfectly. And oh my God, she peels her cuties perfectly. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. And 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 I think what happens is when we don't do the thing that God has called us to do, here's the problem. When you start looking at other people, you start to neglect what God has called you to do. When you are busy looking over your shoulder, you are neglecting the thing that God has called you to do. And like the brother Justin Bieber says, no, I'm kidding. I don't even know if it was him. I think it was something that rapped on his album, right? He said, look, man, the grass is going to be green wherever you water it. And, and some of you are too busy checking out other people's fruit. And meanwhile, your fruit needs to be tended to. You get what I'm saying? You, you, you're too busy looking over at someone else's garden and your fruit is dying. Because you're not pruning your trees, because you're not watering your plants, because you're not tending to it. Now, I wish I could get into detail about this. I, I don't have a green thumb. I'm really good at killing plants anyway. Um, but, but, but if I knew more, I'd probably expound on that some more. But my point being is when you're looking at other people's stuff, chances are you're neglecting the thing that God has called you to do. And do you want to know what comparison does? Comparison robs you of the contentment that God is trying to give you. Comparison robs you of contentment. Don't compare your work to someone else's work. Just do your work. Tell your neighbor, do your work. When I think about doing the work that God has called us to do, we have got to have tunnel vision, right? It's like horses with blinders on. Y'all seen those horses when they put the blinders on them? There's there's two reasons they don't wear blinders. I'm sorry, there's two reasons for wearing blinders. One is so that they don't see beside them, and the other reason is so that they can't look behind them. That's it. It's just a singular focus on the future. I think Paul talked about that in Philippians, didn't he? He said, forgetting those things which are behind me and looking ahead to those things which are before me, I press towards the prize, I'm sorry, towards the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul had tunnel vision. And, And what he when he looked at the church of Corinth, he said, look what I'm doing. I want you to do the same. I'm I, I'm I'm doing the work that God has called me to do. I want you to do the same. And then He brings them verses uh, 12 through 15. He brings them really. I mean, Paul Paul threw down in this epistle. And I don't know if you you've, you've had a chance to really dig into what he said, but Paul really threw down because when he gets to verses 12 through 15, do you want to know what he does? First, he says, "Stop being babies. Start doing your work." And then he gets to the judgment seat of Christ. He like fast forwards all the way to the end of time, right? Because in verses 12 through 15, he gets into this concept. And this is my last point, And it's actually in the form of a question. What is your work made of? What is your work made of? Let me read verses 12 through 15, and I'm going to explain it to you, and then we're going to be all wrapped up. Paul says this, Now anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but there is going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what every kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire— to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will, su- will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved. But like someone escaping through a wall of flames. You see, I don't know if you know this, but it's not just the rapture of the church that you need to be concerned about. There's a second judgment that's coming, and that's the judgment seat of Christ. And I know a lot of churches don't like to talk about this. We just kind of get, we kind of just stop at the raise your hand and lift up your faith and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then when someone makes that decision, hey, they made a decision. yeah, And that's great. But there's more work to be done. That, that, that's great. And we celebrate that because heaven is our home, and that's where we will spend eternity. But it's important to understand there's a second judgment coming. And it's the judgment seat of Christ. And not enough churches talk about this. And Paul talks about that right here in this chapter. And he says every believer is going to have their works judged. Listen, we are saved by grace through faith. Absolutely. We are saved not by works. We are saved by grace through faith. But we are going to be rewarded according to our works. According to what we did here on earth. Want some scripture? Let's read some scripture. Psalm 62, 12. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Matthew 16, 27. Then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Ephesians 6 and 8. Knowing whatever good we do, we will receive the same again from the Lord. And I believe the reason that Paul was so frustrated was that with the church in Corinth is they were not focused on what they were supposed to do. And Paul had to give them a wake-up call. He would said, wake up! Because it's not just about the kingdom and here and now. But you're going to be judged according to your works. You're going to be judged according to your works. Like I said earlier, the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ is not salvation. That, that, that's done. But I'm talking about the rewards. You see, the purpose of the judgment seat is to reward you that this is where you receive an incorruptible crown. This is where God rewards you for what you've done here on earth. And and, and Paul, in his letter, he reminds them of this. He says, don't you know that your works are going to be tried through the fire? Don't you know that everything that you've done here on earth is going to be tested? God wants to know if you did the thing here on earth that you're supposed to do. And that's why in this time of crisis, it's important that we ask, God, is there work for me to do right now? For those of you that are watching online, what is God calling you to do even right now in crisis mode? Even in a global pandemic, God, what would you have me to do? Because the word teaches us that only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for Christ will last. And I'm sorry, but coming to church on a Sunday and sitting in the building isn't enough. It isn't enough. It's a great start, but it isn't enough. At some point, God's gonna ask you, What did you do with what I gave you? What what did you do with the gifts? And the talents that I placed into your hands. I believe most of you know the parable. For those of you who are watching online, there's the parable of the three men who were given differing talents. It's a parable that Jesus taught. And he used this to illustrate the fact that God has given each of us a measure to do his work here on earth. What are you going to do with what he has given you? Because I believe when, when, when it is all said and done and, and when we go and we stand in front of Christ to have all of our works judged, I want you to get to that place knowing that you brought an incorruptible work to him. God, I, I made a difference in eternity. This is why as part of our growth track, we teach this. I mean, we go in, we talk about how it's, it's good to be involved in social causes. Absolutely. Clean up oceans. Go for it. You want to work with rescuing animals? Go for it. But make no mistake, only what you do for Christ will last. Make no mistake, you better be busy doing things that have an eternal consequence. You need to get busy doing the things that make eternal significance. You need to get busy doing the things that you can stand before God and say, this is what I did with what you gave me. And this is what Paul was worried about. He's saying, Corinthians, you're fighting, you're quarreling. There's no possible way you're expanding my kingdom if you're fighting over who's your favorite apostle. If you're fighting with all kinds of moral issues, you're dealing with moral stuff. You're still on milk. That was good when I first came to you, but I expected you to be further along. Why aren't you further along yet, church? Why aren't you further along yet? And Paul brings them all the way into eternity and says, Don't forget, one day you're gonna have to give an answer. For what you did with what you were given. Now I want to just, for the last few moments, kind of just turn my attention to the screen and talk to all of you that have tuned in to watch us online. And you're probably wondering, well, Pastor, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? I've never heard it like that. Or maybe, you know, um, you've not yet heard about that second judgment Maybe no one's ever told you that your works would be judged and that there are rewards in heaven that are waiting for you. They're they're stored up for you, but you don't receive them if you don't do the work. Listen, right there where you're at, you can begin a path and a journey. I know you may be limited. I know you may not be able to do everything that God has called you to do, but you can begin to pray and you can say, God, show me what I'm supposed to do. God, show me what my work here on earth is to do. God, show me how I can use these gifts and these talents that you've given me to go and make a difference. If you are not yet part of a church, one of the best things you can do is go find a church, especially a life-giving church that's going to help you discover the gifts and the talents that God has given you. They exist. They're all over this world. You just got to go look for them. It would be so incredible for you to find a church like that and, and really lean into your gifts, really lean into the things that God has given you because what you do for Christ will last. And if you're watching here as I come to a close now and you've not yet made a decision to even follow Jesus, that, that's going to be the first thing that we're going to pray for right now. My prayer today is that everyone watching online, and, and for those of us that are gathered in our living rooms and we've brought friends and family and wherever this message goes, maybe you're tuning in right now because this world's gotten crazy and you're looking for hope and you're looking for where do I go from here? If you've not yet started a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you today is a day that you can receive him in your heart and begin a new journey together with him. Maybe you're watching online right now and you once had a relationship with him, but you've turned your back on him. You're doing your own thing. And all of these events have brought you back to this point, to a realization that you need him. In a moment, I'm going to take you through a prayer where you can one more time say, God, here I am again. I want a fresh start again. I want to begin again. So if that's you, whether you're making a first time decision or if you're coming back. I want to lead you in prayer. Would you bow your head right there where you're at? And if you're able to get into a posture of receiving, I'm going to lead a prayer. But if you would pray this prayer over your life, we're going to pray that we would come home. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all who have gathered, whether they are watching online with friends and family. If they're alone, if they're in a dorm, wherever this message finds them, our prayer right now, Father, is for people who have not yet made a decision to follow you. If this is a chance, Father, where you would introduce yourself to them, would you do that? And as you're praying, I want you to say, God, I welcome you into my life right now. God, I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. And for those of you that are coming back home, say, Father, bring me back home again. I, I I receive you again, and I commit to a fresh start again, Father. I I realize there's work for me to do. and and perhaps I've wasted too much of my time, but Father, I believe I can begin again. And with your help, Lord God, I believe Lord Jesus, that my future is brighter. My best days are are still ahead of me and I can begin a fresh start again. Listen, if you just made that prayer right now, I wanna congratulate you. You just made a fresh start. Come on, let's worship together now.